the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back. I've been looking uh, forward to this for about 24 hours. As I said in my uh, opening uh, monologue a couple hours ago, people have been asking me, as I'm sure they've been asking a lot of you in the listening audience, have you read a good article? Have you read a great article? What's the article to read when it comes to explaining and what's happening between the United States and Afghanistan? And until yesterday, I didn't have that article. I do now. Um, And it's by Brian T. Kennedy. Biden embraces defeat over at the American Mind, a publication of the Claremont Institute, where Brian and I are privileged to be senior fellows. He's also the president of the American Strategy Group, chairman of the Committee on the Present Danger, China, and one of the smartest strategic and geopolitical thinkers I know. Brian T. Kennedy, welcome back to the Airwaves of Phoenix. Thank you, Seth. Uh, great to be with you and great to be with your audience, which I admire very much. Thank you. We admire you very much. No one more than me. Okay, Bri, let's walk through it. Um, I, let, let, let's, let's start here. In your piece, we are at the moment now like none other in our history. The American political order has been made a mockery since of since November 3rd, 2020. We are at a moment now like none other in our history. Brian, talk to us. Well, I think most Americans would agree that they've never lived in such a strange, confusing time when they don't know even today who won the election of November 2020, especially in your your city there in Phoenix. There's a lot of investigation still going on, a lot of gyrations about what happened in Maricopa County. People are very uncertain about all that. Uh, That's also true all around the country. And so the the political legitimacy of the country is being called into question. And not just here, right? Abroad. I mean, we look like a banana republic. You write as much. Yeah, not not only here, but abroad. But you have then you have the overlay of People doubt the legitimacy of our government right right now, and they're seeing the border, people flooding over the border. They see spending that is going to cause, is causing inflation and economic uncertainty. And then you have Joe Biden here on the world stage pulling out of Afghanistan in such a way that you do really call into question what's going on in America could America do something, I mean, do something this crazy, nonsensical, and reckless? And I think I argue in this piece that this is not a case of incompetence. Right. And we have a big government, and Joe Biden may be the president, but Joe Biden on any given day can give an order. He has all sorts of people around him telling him, a variety of things about how to do what have you. Yeah, everyone wants to tell the president what to do, right, as Nixon famously said, (laughs) but it's true. Right, but yeah, yeah. and so whatever he says, there's a secretary of defense and there's 
chairman of the Joint Chiefs and the head of the CIA is going to weigh in, and the Secretary of State and his National Security Advisor. And if he does something rash, there are so many ways of stopping all that, that what we're seeing in Afghanistan is not incompetence like Joe Biden flew off the handle and said, yeah, let's get everybody out of there. You had the whole apparatus of the U.S. government make the decision that they were going to leave Afghanistan in this fashion, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in ways that was going to embarrass and humiliate the United States on the world stage, that was going to alienate our allies from us, that were going to put Americans in harm's way, that was going to guarantee the loss of life, that was going to make us look like we are no longer a world power. That's what Joe Biden and his administration have given us here. And I think I think they're trying to cover it up in so many ways with just incompetence, when in fact I think it's malfeasance. They mean to demoralize the United States and we, the American people and the U.S. military. You and I are, are very familiar with what's taken place. We've been part and parcel of it for a long time, what's taking place in the ivory towers, colleges, universities, higher education, and the view of America there. Um, you can Some of it is critical race theory. Some of it is just literal communism and Marxism and progressivism. Most of it is uh, in higher education. A lot of people thought, okay, ivory tower, we can, we can live with that. And when people you know, graduate, they'll enter the real world and they'll, you know, get their first paycheck and, and they'll be fine. They'll be fine. But somehow there was a lab leak in that ivory tower and that, that, that set of theories and ideologies, it seems to me, has suffused and infused a great deal of the actual American polity and culture. And when you have an entire party that, in this case, the Democratic Party, spends a year never mind an election year, but a year running down America, so much so that all we hear from the Democrats' view on America is that it is an institutionally racist society. They even want to change our founding date. Um, they have famous governors and ex-governors now saying America was never that great. Why, why would we be surprised that their interest is not a strong America? Their interest is indeed a weakened, kneeling and prostrate America, right? Yeah, no, I think that's very well put. Uh, it, it really is about putting America in its place. Mm-hmm. And its place is no longer as the shining city on a hill that Ronald Reagan talked about, or and as our founders envisioned, but really something rather despicable that any sensible, educated person should despise and ridicule, and put in its place. And if we're going to be good, decent people, part of the world community, we have to make sure that we as Americans achieve that here in this country. And when you see the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mark Milley, you know, acting this way or critical race theory being adopted and pushed through. Yeah, who, who knew Harvard and, sociology and, 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 would in, in, infuse and suffuse the Pentagon, right? Right. And when you see that happen, you know, you just kind of think to yourself, how is this possible? Right. 
how are how are all the good men and women in our military being subjected to all this nonsense? And one only can discern that a guy like Milley thinks, well, look, you know, the best and the brightest professors in American universities, quote unquote, <laughs> right. you know, they right. They, right. They, they, they think this. Yes. It, shouldn't it be my job? Yeah. Shouldn't it be my job to reflect that in in the work of the Pentagon, right. in my own rhetoric, in my own stance right. as a leader of our military, right. which just means he's lost the kind of common sense everyday Americans have. Because I can tell you, everyday Americans love their country. They think it's they think it's a good country worth fighting and dying for. Why else do you think American men and women join the military? No one's going to fight and die for a country that's evil. After all, why would you fight and die for that? You're not. Look how powerful progressivism is, where the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff says it's important for him to know what the smart people at Harvard are teaching and thinking. You know, the smart people at Harvard and Yale and the rest of them, with a few exceptions that we both well know, uh, it never goes the other way. They're busy banning the military on campus. They never have any interest in adopting anything that propels American um, strength, power, or even defense, right? It never goes the other way. It's a really interesting study in contrasts between what is really hard America and what is truly soft America. Turns out, Pentagon subjected itself to soft America and became soft. Yeah, no, I think I, I think that's right, and it's almost incredible because the fact is, most of the time, the Pentagon has to be in the business of making really hard choices about yep. life and death, yep. and making sure that the United States and its military are prepared to meet any challenge. And once you once you transform the project of the American military to the defense of the United States and by extension, Western civilization, then you're willing to do nearly anything such as all this, you know, all the woke agenda that you see both within the military and in the application of our military uh, power abroad. Brian Kennedy is our guest. His piece is Biden embraces defeat over at the American Mind, AmericanMind.org. Brian, you've said a lot. There are three, I isolated three key takeaways from your piece that are really important. If I can keep you for a while, I'd like to walk you through with the, uh, walk the audience through them with you, if that's good. Uh, and of course, yes, yeah, thank you. And of course, Brian loves talking with y'all as well. If you have questions for the great Brian Kennedy, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. A delight to have Brian Kennedy uh, as our guest uh, for the rest of the hour. He is the president of the American Strategy Group and a chairman of the committee, the chairman of the Committee on the Present Danger, China. His piece, Biden Embraces Defeat at the American Mind, AmericanMind.org, is what we're talking about. It's the piece to read. I have some callers for Brian. We'll get to them in just a second. Brian, there are three parts I drew out from your piece that I think are the most crucial or at least that saying to me the strongest, uh, the most penetrating. Uh, and I haven't seen them written elsewhere, and I fully agree with them, and I want to bring it out a little. The first uh, of those three is where you write that uh, one of the purposes of the Afghan de- uh, debacle was to signal to the world that the United States has no interest in defending a liberal world order 
and that from here on out we will not defend either human freedom or our own self-interest, however bizarre that may sound. I suppose if you treat America as a down-market commodity, as the Democratic Party has done for some time now, this is what you get because America does stand for a liberal world order, human freedom, as well as people yes. pursuing their own self-interest. Why, why would we expect a party that, that denigrates the country that gives the world that to protect any of that, right? Right. No, I, I think that's right. And I, I, it struck me that everything you do has symbolism to it if you're the president yep. of the United yep. States. Yep, yep. Everything means something. Mm -hmm. And so when you withdraw from Afghanistan this way, you're signaling that we no longer can be trusted to run the world or to defend the world order. That we're just signaling a kind of both weakness, a kind of fecklessness, a kind of immorality. And it's not about staying in Afghanistan, don't get me wrong. I mean, we... we, we, we needed to get out of, out of Afghanistan, but it's how you get out of Afghanistan, right? You do it in such a way that the prestige of the United States is preserved. And it looked to me like we did this intentionally to make sure that our prestige was eradicated. And if you're on the world stage and if you're one of our allies or you're the president of another country or among their elite, you've just seen the American president put the United States through a kind of ritual humiliation. Because you're not only leaving Afghanistan, they're going to run you out of the country. And they're going to run you out in such a way that you are going to look bad. From everything you've like, studied, Brian, yeah. from everything you've studied in strategy and geo, 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 geopolitics, from everything in your, in your study of those fields, um, what, what, what if you're an ally of the United States, an ally of the United States that has real enemies, real enemies perhaps that would include, I don't know, Iran or Hezbollah, other terrorist organizations, China. Uh, um, there, there are enemies and monsters in this world. And if you are an ally of ours that has to face those and face off those monsters uh, routinely, those monsters got a signal and so too did our allies, didn't they? Uh, indeed. Indeed. Because once the United States signals that it's not going to lead the world order, that's going to be taken up by somebody. Right. And, it might, and, and again, it's not about a liberal world order. It's like there's not going to be a liberal world order. There's going to be a new world order. And if I'm Israel or if I'm Taiwan or if I'm, you know, a variety of European countries, I don't know now whether I can count on the United yeah. States. Yeah. And so I better fend for myself because bizarre things are happening in this country. And I ought to be worried because the last thing you would expect is for the United States to do the kind of things that would suggest that it's okay with us that we're debased on the world stage. It really is a kind of submission and, you know, remember last year, taking into your earlier analogy, it's kind of like we were taking a knee last year yeah. because we were somehow bad people yeah. or racist or something. Right. And now we're taking a knee again, and 
We're sorry for having defended our civilization against Islamic terrorism. We're sorry for going into Afghanistan. And just to signal to you just how sorry we are, we're going to let you humiliate us as we leave the country. I have been saying, Brian, you tell me if you agree or not, that the comparisons to Saigon are not about the pictures. Uh, the pictures uh, from Saigon or, or Karzai Airport and their similarity is not what the analogy is about. The analogy is about the weeks, months, and years that followed. And from 1975 till the election of Ronald Reagan, 10 countries fell to the Soviet bloc. And the United States was paralyzed, as well or so many of our allies. People don't remember how bad it was, how demoralized our military was. People don't remember that either. That's what I'm worried about. That's the comparison going forward, isn't it? It's not the pictures. It's the aftermath. Yeah, no, I think I, I think that's right. To, oh, by the way, to say uh, nothing of refugees killing fields and, you know, the like. You know, to say right. Nothing uh, yeah, no. Yeah, no, that, that, that's that's completely right. There's a there's a certain kind of powerlessness one had after Vietnam. Right. Everyone saw that the United States could have obliterated Vietnam any time they wanted to, but we didn't. And there were a variety of reasons not to do it, other I mean, primarily being it's not in the, the way of the United States to, you know, obliterate a country. We, we, we are part of a, as I say, liberal world order. We would like Vietnam to have become part of the West. And ironically, I think, you know, they see China as big, as big a threat as, as we in the United States do today, ironically. But when you look at what's going on in Afghanistan, one just imagines that the Afghans are going to try to make us look bad. The Russians are going to make us look bad. The Chinese are going to make us look bad in this whole transaction. That is going to be demoralizing to the U.S. military and also the American people. Which I mean, is why you say, which is why you say rightly, by the way, and I hadn't seen anyone make this point either, and I think it's totally true, <clears throat> which is why you write in your piece, Brian. There is no propaganda film, ISIS and Al-Qaeda, and they were very sophisticated with propaganda films. There is no propaganda film they could have created that is greater or stronger for them than the actual news feeds of the last week. Right, and they're going to get worse, by right. the way. I mean, you, you're hearing these stories now from, from these war correspondents that you have these American Americans who are part of these NGOs, humanitarian efforts, and you have, you know, a man and a woman trying to get through the blockades and they have their passports and IDs and they're trying to make it through. And these gangs of, you know, Islamic thugs basically harass them, steal their phones, make them, you know, punch in their passcode. And then they rape the men and the women while videoing this act. And then they send the videos to their contact list on their phone. And to the media, we have and suffered again, as, as as a way of demonstrating just how feckless we are. Yeah, no, I well put, Brian. Let me take the commercial break, and I'll come right back with more from you. Let me give you this news item you may or may not have seen. This is from the Hill. Britain, Great Britain, tells citizens to avoid Kabul airport, citing high threat of terrorist attack. That's comforting. When will the State Department follow? Probably shortly. More from Brian T. Kennedy and you all when we come back. Don't go away. We will be right back.
Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Brian T. Kennedy, the president of the American Strategy Group and chairman of the Committee on the Present Danger. China is our guest. His piece at the American Mind, AmericanMind.org, Biden embraces defeat. I think it's the piece that explains all of this. I have more questions for Brian on it, but uh, Brian, if it's okay, we have a few callers. I'd like to uh, engage you with them if that's all right. And we'll start. You know, good. We'll start with Jeff in Phoenix. Jeff, you're on with Brian Kennedy. Hi, how are you guys doing? We're good, thank you. So I've turned very cynical, and so all I can think about in any, anything that I see now is follow the money, follow where the power is going to go with this. So who's going to benefit the most from this, I would say, is China. China has a border with Afghanistan. Uh, Biden plays, we play the, uh, oh, we're sorry, we were the world power. And then China comes in and starts helping these people, starts giving them things, and then, you know, eventually they'll do what they want to do. But they all of a sudden they play hero for a little while. And I don't know. And I don't know if your guest knows. And I'd like to hear what he knows about the rare earth minerals that are in Afghanistan and that haven't been ever exploited by anyone because it's been a turmoil nation since the Russians and then now us and all this other stuff. But that's what China is all about is getting all of this stuff. Oh, well, you're in luck, Jeff. Uh, This man knows China. Brian, makes sense to you. Uh, absolutely. I don't think there's anything cynical about that. I think that is uh, a lot of just sensible analysis about the way the world works. People do follow the money. I think the Chinese see an opportunity there, and they're going to take it. They're a you know, totalitarian nation. They'll be more than happy to work with the totalitarians in Afghanistan, uh, and, and I think that, that sounds exactly right. The one thing about those rare minerals, yes, Afghanistan has an awful lot of them. So does China. But I'd, I'd also offer that so does the United States. We have a lot of rare minerals here. We choose not to, to you know, mine them because it's very a very dirty industry. It's you know most of the you know rare minerals are radioactive, and so we haven't gotten to the business of making sure that, that we can, we can you know, harvest them here in the United States ourselves. But we may need to think about that, because if all of a sudden the Chinese have complete control or substantial control of that market for rare earth minerals, and you combine this with the Green New Deal you see coming out of Washington, oh, good point. Yeah. And, and, and the move toward electric cars, and China right now has a real monopoly on a lot of the components for the electric cars. The combination of those things, to, to, to uh, Jeff's point about following the money, the Chinese know where the money is, and the United States need to be mer- very mindful of that. doesn't mean we need it to be in Afghanistan, but it does mean we need to be independent of communist China and their ability to control the global economy. Uh, Brian, um, there's another element here that I wanted to talk about with you, and it does involve China, because that border, if I'm not mistaken, is pretty much that heart of darkness of China, isn't it? Isn't the Chinese border with Afghanistan? Am I wrong about this? I believe it's partly the Shenzhen province. And and, and it, it just dawns on me, you know, yes, you. I don't want people to get a false sense of things here. There's been too many false senses of understanding our enemy, uh, including that Sunnis and Shiites won't work together. Um, But it also means that communists and religious fanatics won't work together. They will. No, absolutely. 
uh, the Chinese have demonstrated they'll work with anybody at any time. You bet. You bet. And so, yeah, I, I, it, that, that's completely false. And look, China has the Uyghurs, and they've been they've been waging the communist Chinese a real campaign against their their Muslim Uyghurs. And you also hear a lot of talk about Uyghurs moving from communist China to Afghanistan mm-hmm. to, to find safe harbor. And so, communist China will not be indifferent to how that relationship develops. And the communist Chinese are not shy about acting in their own interest. We will be indifferent to it, though. We will be. And we will wake up and realize that 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 sleep cost us a lot. We will write a book, Why America or While America Slept. Can you give me a sense a little bit, Brian, you're in, you're in Southern California. Can uh, On the other side of this break, can you give me a little sense of what we're looking at for September 14th there? Yes, I'd love to. I'd love to hear from you on that. Thank you. We'll be right back with more from Brian T. Kennedy. I, I don't know why 1979 keeps coming up today, but, you know, maybe that maybe that is the year uh, to analogize to. Our guest is Brian Kennedy. He, um, he, of course, is a senior fellow at the Claremont Institute. He is the president of the American Strategy Group and the chairman of the Committee on the Present Danger China. But he's also spent many years in previous lifetimes doing uh, working politics in California. Indeed, at one point, if I'm not mistaken, Brian, didn't you head the Golden State Center for the Claremont Institute up in Sacramento? I thought you did. I did. I, I, ran, our, I ran the Claremont Institute Sacramento office for six years. There you go. There you go. Well, Quite an education. Yeah, Quite an education. I, I bet. I bet. You, uh, you have something happening on September 14th. How big of an earthquake do you expect that day to be? You know, if any, if any, are, if the if earthquake there be, yeah, yeah. You know, pe- people people are taking bets on it right now, <laughs> okay? Uh, because Gavin Newsom is not very popular, uh, and he's the kind of unpopular politician who's also very smug about it. Mm-hmm. He has great hair, he's kind of articulate, but he is an amazingly unlikable kind of guy, and yeah. so I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of sympathy for him. But the uh, the real test of the whole election is going to be the fact that it's going to be mail-in balloting, mm-hmm. and you can print off your own ballot at home and send it in. And so if we learned anything uh. from November of 2020, it's that left to, left to their own devices, you know, human beings can, can do a lot of dishonest things. And if there's not adequate safeguards in the voting system, Bad things can happen, and I think they're setting up this recall election without adequate safeguards. Oh, let me no. just say, oh, no. and and uh, I would not at all be surprised if Gavin Newsom held the the governor's race simply because of you know another contested election or contested over the fact that that it's not being run properly. So, if you had. Uh, guarantees of election integrity, or if 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 you thought there was uh, complete election integrity in California uh, for the September fourteenth, do I have the date right? By the way, that's the recall date. I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If 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 there were election integrity, and we assumed it and stipulated that there were, would Gavin Newsom today be recalled, or is it really a close question? 
Oh, I think he would be recalled. Mm-hmm. Uh, the polling, the polling is he's gone below fifty percent, okay. which is not a good sign. Which is not a good sign all by itself for him. Yeah, and for him, yeah. and I think people are taking out a lot of their frustration. Yeah, just normal frustrations about all the COVID lockdowns. You and I were talking on a break about COVID lockdowns. Americans are unhappy about those things, and here you have an opportunity with Gavin Newsom to take out some of their frustration on him, and I think they would. My sense of California, people say, well, it's such a liberal state, it's such a liberal state, and we grant that and we stipulate to that. On the other hand, there are some interesting things in California, aren't there? And I don't want to overdo it or oversell it, and you correct me where I'm wrong, but I thought one of the interesting outcomes of the November election was that proposition you guys had in California to preserve the Civil Rights Initiative, which I think was outspent. Our side was outspent 20 to 1, and we prevailed, I think. Do I have that right? You do, and I, I personally don't stipulate that California is that liberal. Good, good, good. I good. think I think I think it may be that the Republicans are not well organized. Okay, good. And and you've had a, a a long series of pretty bad Republican candidates. Yep. And you've had elections that may not have been fair. Yep. But I, you know, you go you go to you're in, if you go to the suburbs of California. You find people just like you find all over the country, including in Maricopa County, Arizona. You find family people who work hard, they go to church, they raise their families, and they're part of a civil society that loves the country. These people tend to vote Republican mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if they have somebody to vote for. Mm-hmm. If they in have Arizona, somebody to Ar- vote for. In Arizona, they do, or more often they do. In California, much less so. And a lot of politics, as you well know, is momentum. Yep. If, if, of course, you think you can't win or that everybody is a Democrat, then if you're a conservative or Republican, you tend to think, well, wh- why even bother voting? Right. I think one lesson of, of voter fraud is, or the examination of all these things, is that you can change people's minds through an election, mm-hmm. if they think that everybody around them is a liberal Democrat, mm-hmm. they can be persuaded yes, of that. It I may agree. not be true, but they, they can be persuaded. I they agree. When the entire culture that. tells you you're an idiot or wrong, it's hard, you know, It's if you don't hear other people who share your views, it's hard, hard not to accept the cultural indictment of you, right? Right. Yeah. Totally. No, I think this is the, this is why protests and rallies are important. It's why calling into shows like this are important. But my sense of California today, Brian, again, you tell me if I've got this wrong, is there's an awful I'm guessing there are an awful lot of apolitical or previously apolitical or moderately political Restaurant owners, restaurant workers, employees of small bit. I'm just betting there's a bunch like that one um, who got so much attention, who ran the Pineapple Express in Southern California, who, who seem to be apolitical, but do understand that the loss of their business and the seizure of their livelihoods came from Democrats. I'm guessing that's going to be the case. I don't know. I think I, I think it's absolutely the case. And, and, they, and, they, and, and they can't understand it, and they wonder why. Yeah. And... Because we... No, you go ahead. You go ahead. Because, no, no, no. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, and... As opposed to previous times, they got a great Republican candidate to get behind. I'm all in for Larry Elder. I think Larry's a great guy. I think he would make a very good governor. I think he 
know, if there's a fair election, Larry Elder will be the governor there of California. Go. And that will be and, an earthquake. You know, yeah. yeah, no, that that will be, oh, come on, that will be a huge earthquake. Right, right, right. Can you imagine if we get Larry Elder you know, you in imagine, California, Herschel Walker in Georgia, you know, we're beginning to, <laughs> we're beginning to retake this country and, and not, not in well, a soft way, <laughs> right? And, and also, and also within 30 days, you would have lost Cuomo in New right, York and right, Newsom in right, California. Right, right, right. Right. That, that would have that would have meant the two most powerful Democrat governors in the country are no longer there because the people turned against them. Yep. 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 Brian Kennedy, it's that, always a joy catching up. I, I love talking to you. I love reading you. The only criticism I have of you, Brian, is that you don't write more. So please do. Well, I will. Thank okay. you. Thank you, Seth. And thank you for all you do. For and you as well, my friend. I am Seth Leibson. He was Brian Kennedy. We will be right back for a closing thought. Uh, it, it's hard to describe how backward and... Um, Barbaric Afghanistan under the Taliban was and will be and is the regions they've already conquered. Um, it's, it's hard to explain that. But when the Hill reports, as it did in this hour, that the British government on Wednesday told its citizens in Afghanistan to avoid the only airport of egress Hamid Karzai International due to, quote, an ongoing and high threat of a terrorist attack, close quote. You just wonder from all those images of all those people sitting there, do know the Taliban's in charge of Hamid Karzai International. We had an airbase there, Bagram Air Base, which we built. We had an airbase there. We don't now. We left it. We left it. Um, largest uh, U.S. military base in Afghanistan. To give you an idea of just how backward, a small thing that says a big thing, and it's not about the violence. It's about another part of the culture of Afghanistan. I don't know how many of you remember the famous picture of the girl who was on the cover of National Geographic from Afghanistan in the 1985, but the 1980s. It's a very famous image of that beautiful young 12-year-old girl with piercing green eyes. She actually graced the cover of National Geographic three times, three times. When we went into Afghanistan in 2001 and while we were there in 2002, the original reporter who took that picture of her went to find this woman. Guess what? She had no clue her picture was ever anywhere. She had been living in a country for 20 years, a little less, 15 years, having no clue. That the rest of the world knew who she was. She didn't know that the rest of the world knew who she was. Just a small thing saying a big thing. Interesting to think about. I'm Seth Liebson. Until tomorrow, Bill, thank you. God bless you all. Class dismissed.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.